on today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. If you're creating an injury or if you've had an injury, there's going to be an inflammatory response and hyperbaric therapy is going to help mitigate that. And as a result of that mitigation and the revving up the immune system, the wound healing process, you're going to heal faster. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. This week's guest is Dr. Scott Schur. He is the founder of Integrative HBOT and he is also the CEO of Troscriptions a company that is most well-known for their methylene blue trochies that they sell, which is a nootropic that we dive into. So definitely stick around to the end because we talk a lot about methylene blue, the uses of it, why people use it, why I started using it, and it's a fascinating conversation. We also talk all about hyperbaric oxygen therapy, what it is, what it's best used for, why oxidative stress on the body is actually a good thing in a balanced level why people use HBOT therapy and so much more. This is an entire episode diving into that therapy as well as methylene blue. And this is a fascinating episode. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. With that, let's get into the episode. I recently just got introduced to Bio Optimizers and I am obsessed. People like Dave Asprey, Ben Greenfield, so many health and wellness experts in this space are also huge supporters of Bio Optimizers, which is what initially piqued my interest. They are a supplement company making really high quality supplements that you actually feel a difference. So unfortunately, thanks to our modern farming practices, a lot of us are deficient in magnesium or or don't have optimal magnesium levels. So I am really into this magnesium breakthrough. It has all seven magnesium forms in here. And it's really effective. Magnesium is so important for so many different processes in the body, including regulating muscle and nerve function, blood sugar levels, blood pressure, making protein, bone, and DNA. It's also really good for stress and anxiety. It helps us to calm down. It calms down the nervous system. I cannot speak highly enough of this product. If you would like to try any of the Bio Optimizers products, use code RealFoodology, or you can also just go to bioptimizers.com slash RealFoodology. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S, and you are going to save money. Something that I talk about very often on this podcast is our exposure to toxins in our modern world. We are getting exposed from all fronts right now, tap water, and there's pharmaceutical drugs and there's runoff from pesticides. There's heavy metals in our water. In our food, we're getting exposed to phthalates thanks to plastic and all of our food being stored in plastic, not to mention all the pesticides in our food. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know, I don't need to name everything off, but there is a lot. And while it is concerning, I'm not here to be all doom and gloom. There are things that we can do in order to support our body's detoxification pathways. We can only control our exposures so much. And then at that point, we just have to say, you know what? Okay, I'm doing the best I can with exposures and then do other things like support the detoxification pathways and make sure we're moving our bodies, we're moving our lymph and we're getting sweat out. This is why I really love to sauna sweat. I live in an apartment, so I don't have a lot of space for a big sauna, which is why I'm a huge fan of the higher dose infrared sauna blanket. It is so simple to use. When you're done using it, you just roll it up and you can store it in your closet or under your bed. And I just roll it out onto my bed. Um, You have to make sure your bed doesn't have any flammable materials. So you may want to like throw down a yoga mat and do it on your floor And it's a great way to get an infrared sauna sweat in in your house. I've had my sauna blanket for like four years now, and I'm a huge fan of it. I try to get a sweat in a couple times a week. It really helps with stress and anxiety. Like I said, it helps to get all the toxins out that we're being exposed to. It helps you get more restorative sleep at night and just helps with deep relaxation. I cannot speak highly enough of this thing. If you want to try a higher dose infrared sauna bag or any of the other products on their website, go to higherdose.com. That's H-I-G-H-E-R-D-O-S-E.com and use code RealFoodology and you're going to save 15%. Scott, I know your father is a chiropractor. Is that kind of how you got into this profession of and your interest in medicine? Yeah. So I grew up the son of a chiropractor and very out of the box. And I decided to go to medical school actually after discussing it with him when I was what, 18 or 20 years old or something like that, going on the track of, I love science. I loved working in his office as a kid. I saw how you could really help change things from the inside out. And this was his framework was using chiropractic, but also dietary changes, supplements, and sort of like the OG 
functional integrative kind of family doctor without the medications. And I didn't even know what medications were. I think I had my first one. I was like 14 or something like that. And I had strep throat or something, wow. but, but in, in, in essence, it was learning of all, learning all that framework when I was a kid and then deciding to go to medical school, thinking that I could find a way to bring this whole world together, this conventional world that I had no idea about actually. And the whole world of this alternative medicine, as it was called now. And then we have oh, called then, and now we have all these other words for it, integrative medicine, functional medicine, holistic medicine, wellness medicine. Like it all doesn't really mean a whole lot. It all has the connotations of working outside of the conventional bubble. So and the way I kind of gravitated towards figuring out how to do that was in the field of hyperbaric oxygen therapy, because it was a technology that was very simple, very easy to understand. And I'm not a very complex guy. I like, I like oxygen. I like pressure. Cool. Put them in a chamber, watch them heal from like massive hemorrhage, infection, trauma, and then from strokes and traumatic brain injuries and, mm. and helping with dementia and all these kinds of things. And so that's when I finished medical school, I decided to be an internal medicine physician and a residency in that in that in that world because it was a three year residency, a general res residency. So I kind of got out of there as fast as I could, um, getting the basic knowledge that I needed. And now I use that within my own practice, which is uh, an integrative practice. Let's use that word because I use integrative hyperbaric oxygen therapy. But really, it's much more than that. It's hyperbaric therapy is the the tool that I use, but I use a a foundational. Uh, health optimization medicine framework, which is a uh, a framework that was developed by a colleague of mine that looks at vitamins, minerals, nutrients, gut health, immune health, neurotransmitters, hormones, circadian rhythms, and a whole bunch of other things at sort of foundational levels. And then I put people in the hyperbaric chambers when they need to. If it's an acute issue, these chambers are great at healing people very, very fast. If it's a more chronic issue, a long-term goal, say you want to reverse your age or you have uh, early onset dementia, early signs of dementia. These are things that usually require more of a a focus on that foundation before you put somebody in the chamber and and try to help them with this particular technology. So that's the sum of my life in two minutes or less, less <laughs> in professional life, at least. So. Yeah, that was great. I love that you mentioned too that you need to have that foundational framework in there before um, going into the hyperbaric oxygen therapy because I think. Uh, we have been trained to just look for these quick fixes, like just throw me in this chamber or give me these pills or do this. But a lot of health requires super simple changing of our daily lifestyle, you know, like our diet, are we exercising? Are we getting good sleep? And these are really important things, foundational things that need to be hammered in first before we get into all of this other stuff. So, I mean, the foundational things are really important. What I, what I find though, is that a lot of doctors even, but especially you know, patients on the other side of it don't really have a framework of understanding what that foundation should look like. Yes, of mm -hmm. course we heard, yes, I should eat better. I should change my diet. I should, um, I should exercise more. But then if you really want to dial it in, the next step of that is actually looking at data and metrics so that you can actually see what you need and what you don't. I mean, I've done lots of lectures over the years and most of the lectures I gave, it's in front of relatively uh, open crowds. And so I say, how many people here are taking supplements? And 90% of people, this is even physician audiences, will say they're taking supplements. But I ask the next question, which is, how many of you are taking supplements that you actually have an understanding of what you need and, and you've measured your levels of XYZ and now you're taking XYZ as a, as a result of that? And it's about 10% of the people mm. that are actually measuring what they need and then taking something in that context. And so you have a lot of people that are taking supplements because they hear that they're great, that they have their favorite influencer on Instagram or whatever that, that are now using this one and you can get a code and it's all awesome. And, yeah. and like, and that's, there's, there's a place for those things, but at the same time, the foundational stuff really does require some data, you know, in my experience, like in looking at vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, like do testing and see what you need. And so the framework that we use is, is health optimization medicine that I use is, based on something called metabolomics, which is a mm. long word. It's a, but it's a very simple understanding of, well, simply described understanding of the real-time mechanisms and processes that are happening in your cells right now and how you can measure what's happening. In medical school, we learn about a lot of these kinds of things, but more of like in a static kind of way, not that you can measure them and you can actually replete them. You can, uh, you can actually move them by doing various things with vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, and gut health and dietary changes, et cetera. So we use metabolomic testing as that foundation. It's really important on the hyperbaric side because 
On the hyperbaric side, what we're doing is getting more oxygen into the system and we're getting more oxygen in there. What does oxygen do? Oxygen is giving you the ability to make more energy. But to make more energy, you have to have all the processes, in all the machinery in place that you can make energy effectively. And so if you can't make energy effectively and we're giving you a whole lot more oxygen, or you can make energy effectively, but you don't have the ability to detox or to get rid of the additional stress that happens because we make energy waste products and those are called reactive oxygen species. And so if you're making more of those, you have to be able to have an antioxidant reserve to be able to balance that out. We know that hyperbaric therapy causes what's called an oxidative stress. It causes a stress or hermetic stress. People love that word these days, hormesis. And that's a good thing. The body does its thing by regenerating tissue in a more optimal way. This is like muscular tissue if you exercise, for example. And the same thing happens in the hyperbaric environment if you have the machinery available to play with. If you don't, it's not going to go well. And that's why most of the time when I'm talking to people, unless they have an acute issue, it's about let's start off with what you can do to optimize this foundation first. And so I often say that hyperbaric therapy is like my smoke screen. Like you, people, I consult with people all over the world and they have all these various things that they're consulting me for, I mean, whether it be cancer, a brain injury, maybe a clinic that's interested in using hyperbaric therapy, uh, a chiropractor that's bringing in hyperbaric therapy or anything you can imagine. And I always start off with, well, what are you doing to focus on that primary foundational piece first. Otherwise the rest is just not going to work as well. And so, and that's why 80% of the time, 80% of the chat that I have with people typically is not about hyperbaric therapy at all. I say that's the easy part. You just get into a chamber, you lie there, you relax, you meditate, depending on the chamber, you can watch TV. And so like, it's easy. I mean, there's things you can do inside the chamber that are, that are potentially more therapeutic even, but in general, my, the way I work it is that you have a hyperbaric environment that's fantastic for synergizing, optimizing, and accelerating healing. What are you doing before, during, and after to really make sense of that and to make it so that it's longstanding and not just something that just works for a little while and you go back to the way you were before? Yeah, yeah, that's incredibly important. Um, I've actually had, uh, I've been able to experience the hyperbaric chamber with our mutual friend, Salim. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> which I love because he, I mean, he FaceTimes me half the time from the chamber and he's in there with his, you know, little oxygen thing and he looks like he's in space and <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so I want to, so for people listening, because I don't really know very much about hyperbaric oxygen therapy myself, what exactly is it and what is it used for? Mm. So yeah, Salim has a type of chamber called a mild hyperbaric chamber. These are the kind of chambers that you can have in your home. Sound, go sound beverages, shout out to Salim and yeah. all that he does. And so there's different types of hyperbaric chambers, but they all have the same basic technology. The technology is basically increasing atmospheric pressure and increasing inspired oxygen. So oxygen is the easy one to talk about. We all know that we need oxygen to survive. And that's what we were talking about before. You need oxygen to make energy. Without oxygen, you don't make energy. Without oxygen, you don't survive for very long. So in a hyperbaric environment, we can either keep the amount of oxygen the same in the air that you're breathing, or we can increase it up to 100%, okay? So typically, oxygen is carried on red blood cells. Red blood cells carry oxygen from our lungs when we breathe them in, breathe in. We breathe in about 21% oxygen at sea level. And then it binds to these sites on your red, your red blood cells called hemoglobin. And we have 250 million hemoglobin molecules per red blood cell. And then we have four sites. So we have 1 billion oxygen molecules being carried on every red blood cell, which is pretty amazing actually. Wow. And if you measure a pulse oximeter, so you put like that little finger thing on and you test, you check how much oxygen is there or your pulse ox, that's actually measuring how many sites on those hemoglobin molecules are actually bound by oxygen. And so for normal people, 96 to hundred percent of those sites are typically bound. If you have normal lungs, that's typically what you're able to do. So your oxygen carrying capacity really is relegated to how many red blood cells that you have, at least at sea level. And so the way people modulate that is by going to altitude. And if you train at altitude, you can get increased red blood cell number because of, because of an, a hormone called epigen, which is a hormone that's secreted when you're at altitude. It's also something you can take exogenously. You can take it injections. And mm -hmm. this is what people like Lance Armstrong and other cyclists and others would do to help. This is the doping drug is epigen basically. So you can increase the number of red blood cells by increasing the, by going to altitude, by taking epigen, or by increasing the number by just giving yourself a transfusion of red blood cells. But in, in a hyperbaric environment, we're increasing the pressure. 
And pressure, we simulate the pressure you would feel under a certain amount of seawater. Water is extremely heavy. If people have carried a bucket of water, they know it's heavy. But if you're floating down underneath the water, if you're diving down 10 or 15 feet, you don't feel that heaviness because of the density of the water itself and your density. But it's extremely heavy. And that heaviness we simulate in the chamber, and it's that heaviness that allows you to drive more oxygen in circulation by physics laws that tell you that the more pressure you put on a gas, the more of that gas is going to go into the liquid form. And so the red blood cells already have as much oxygen as they're already going to have on there for the most part, but you can actually diffuse oxygen into the liquid of your bloodstream called your plasma. And the plasma has very little oxygen in its sea level, and you can drive up to 1200% more oxygen in circulation. And as a result of all that oxygen in circulation, you get this huge shift in your physiology, both acutely, because you get all that oxygen in circulation. And then over the long term, it changes your epigenetics, how your genes express themselves. And mm. as a result of that, you get new blood vessels that are formed, inflammatory downregulation of all these different markers. You get new stem cells. You get uh, you kill bugs as well, especially in, high, in bugs that do not like high oxygen environments. So you get all these things that are happening. You're revving up the immune system. You're helping with the whole process of healing, the wound healing process from the initial stages to the longer term stages to decreasing scarring. And as a result, and you're also the last thing is you're also increasing flow. So you're increasing blood flow into tissue and then lymphatic flow out of tissue as well. So you have all these basic mechanisms at play. And that's why we're using hyperbaric therapy in the acute setting for things like strokes and traumatic brain injuries, uh, spinal cord injuries, trauma, acute infection. Like you see all these things that are well, very well established already and that are being used already in, in, in hospitals actually all across mm. the world. And then you have the more, the longer term plays, which are the things that are happening on the epigenetic level where you're looking at reverse aging and improving people's brains with dementia or chronic pain syndromes, chronic infection, traumatic brain injury that is longer standing, autistic spectrum disorder, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you're having the shift in that epigenetics that is really the key to those kinds of conditions and why hyperbaric therapy is helping in, in those places, along with things like the reverse, like performance-related measures as well, um, increasing cardiac output, increasing with something called VO2 max, which is what athletes love as well when they're doing endurance types of races as well. So anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying it does a lot of good things. Yeah, that's amazing. So so that I can understand a little bit better on like a more granule level, does that basically mean that it's just oxygen is nutrients for the cells and as a result, it's able to generate ATP, recharge the mitochondria and help in regenerating essentially? Yeah, I mean, some people would call oxygen like one of your most essential nutrients. I've, I've definitely heard that being said and it, it's absolutely true. And it's helping you make more energy. It's also producing more of the quote-unquote waste products of energy metabolism, but those oxidative molecules are actually signaling molecules as well that change the system so you make more blood vessels, that you start releasing more stem cells. And as a result of the the stress, you're also making your immune system work better too. So it's 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 a hormetic stress is the best way to think about it because hormesis is the idea of a little bit of stress creates more optimal changes in the body. And that's really what's happening in the hyperbaric environment. And it really depends on what our indications are. We have indications where if it's an acute issue, you get into the chamber one to three times and you can see massive efficiency and massive shifts in accelerating your healing. But if it's a more of a long-standing issue, a chronic issue, then you have to get into the chamber for a longer period of time to see the benefits because you're not really working on that acute side as you're more working on that epigenetic side, as I was describing before. And that's really where a lot of the additional aspects of having a framework, like I use health optimization medicine, but there's other frameworks, other foundational approaches so that you're not just going into a chamber. Now, if it's an acute issue, I call it my educationally throwing shit at the wall strategy, which is where you just, you understand physiology as best you can, understand the person in front of you, and then you work on the various aspects of their physiology, energy production, energy detoxification, gut health, et cetera, depending on what you think that they need in the acute setting. And this is really when it's nice to add on supplementation and other types of therapies that you can kind of synergize with what we're doing inside the chamber. So again, sometimes we're just you know educationally guessing. If we have more time, then we can think about what they actually need from a data-driven perspective. But 
that's typically how I delineate it. It depends on, it, it's sort of like my, my do not pass go strategy in the sense like if you have an acute issue, you just get into the chamber. If you if you have a, a more longstanding goal or condition, then we want to think about what we're doing before we get in. Yeah. Um, what are some examples of acute conditions that uh, really help with the hyperbaric chamber or that are improved? Yeah, yeah. So there's the severe stuff. There's the things that, I see in the like I've seen in the hospital when I was in training, acute traumas, partial limb amputations, mm. acute infections, necrotizing fasciitis, carbon monoxide poisoning, uh, burns, other soft tissue injuries. Hyperbaric therapy can be very very helpful. Traumatic brain injury, uh, spinal cord injury. So they're doing some studies on those two right now. So we know if you get into the chamber, you're likely going to heal better, even from an acute heart attack as well, or somebody going on a bypass machine. They do better if they get into hyperbaric therapy before they get onto the bypass machine, because if you get cardiac bypass, you have a higher risk of having neurologic insults afterwards mm. as well. So, but from the things outside the hospital, we know that people that are, uh, that have any kind of injury you can imagine are going to heal faster if they get inside a hyperbaric environment after they've been stabilized from that injury, whether it be an ACL tear or a hip replacement or a shoulder injury or a dermal abrasion of their face. It, it doesn't really matter if you're creating an injury or if you've had an injury, there's going to be an inflammatory response and hyperbaric therapy is going to help mitigate that. And as a result of that mitigation and the revving up the immune system, the wound healing process, you're going to heal faster. So if there's a a wound, an acute injury, whether it's done by a doctor or if it's done because you were being stupid outside, it doesn't matter. Like it's going to heal faster inside the chamber. And so that's really what it comes down to when it, on the acute side. But again, you like to think about how you can kind of use more of a holistic or an integrative approach and, and use supplementation and dietary changes. So like if somebody's had a brain injury, like you wanted them to go ketogenic, for example, because that's going to be more anti-inflammatory and protect the brain. If somebody's had, uh, I mean, it's like very simple things, right? If you try to change their diet, if they're, if they're having pizza every day and like they just got an ACL tear, like maybe stop the pizza, right? And then try to mm -hmm. think about doing some healthier things while you're trying to get better. And then, you know, use supplementation as well to try to help with energy enhancement, um, oxidative stress potential mitigation. So this is where methylene blue, for example, will come in and at least in my practice, but I use a lot of other things too, depending on what's needed. Wow. This is so fascinating. Is this something that would help people that are suffering from Lyme or uh, mold exposure, viruses, stuff like that too? Yeah. So absolutely. It really depends on where they are in their journey because mm -hmm. there's different types of chambers that are available. So Salim, our colleague, our friend has a, what's called a mild unit. These are soft shelled chambers you can have in your home. They go to what's called about 1.3 or 1.4 atmospheres, which is between about 12 and 14 feet of seawater equivalent pressure. And so these chambers are really good, I think, for neurocognitive optimization, for wellness-related endeavors like muscle recovery, jet lag, performance, cognitive performance. And there's various protocol, protocols that I've developed over the years that kind of help with those particular metrics and then look at how you can integrate things like an ice bath or a sauna or lights and whatever else you have around with you. But when it comes to these chronic infections, oftentimes there's a neurologic piece Mm -hmm. where there's a chronic inflammatory piece in the brain, which you can mitigate in the chamber. But for the infections themselves, the, the mold, the Lyme, these typically take deeper pressures in the chamber. So we're talking about chamber pressures that are somewhere usually between 2.0 and 2.4 atmospheres, which is the equivalent of about 33 to 45 feet of seawater. Mm -hmm. And so that if you imagine you're above you're looking above you in 45 feet of seawater. That's all that pressure that we're simulating oh. inside a chamber. So you Do don't you feel, feel that. Yeah, oh, yeah. you don't. I was just going to ask. The only thing you feel, you had a feeling that's where you're going, is that <laughs> you, you feel a pressurization sensation in your ears. Like mm -hmm. if you were on a plane, which is the opposite, a hypobaric, H-Y-P-O, baric environment. Or if you were on a train and you're going underneath the water, you're going under a hyperbaric environment for a very short period of time when you're doing that because all the pressure of the water is coming under, is, is on top of the train. So that's why you get that ear pressure sensation change. So interestingly, just to give the example of the airplane. So on an airplane, you're pressurized typically to about 8,000 feet above sea level. And so at sea level, you get about 21% oxygen. And at about 8,000 feet, 
you get about 16% oxygen. So I'm, I live in Colorado, so that's usual deal for me. So no big deal. But if you're in Los Angeles and you're going from 21% to, to 16 or 18%, then you're going to feel that difference. And that is one of the reasons why you have a higher risk for having, you know, for jet lag and more infection potential or risk as you travel. At least there's obviously the time zones and there's other kinds of things, but certainly low oxygen is one of those reasons too, just to, to give people a little bit of a barometer here. And so then when we're looking at a hyperbaric, H-Y-P-E-R baric, we're increasing the amount of oxygen. And so it's a way, you, I mean, it's a, it's a jet lag reverser as a result of that. So we have the mild units that can be used for that. The deep ones can be as well. But the mild ones specifically are for neurocognitive optimization, muscle recovery, wellness, biohacking, let's call it in quotes, where you're having multiple different technologies together. But if you have significant systemic conditions, then the, or systemic goals like reverse aging, for example, anti-aging, whatever you want to call it, then that, that's when you might want to think about using the, the, the deeper chambers periodically for various types of protocols. And how does it look as far as like everyday use? Um, I'm assuming the one, the more mild one that Salim has would be something that you could use every day. Is there ever a sense of our, uh, where you can overuse the hyperbaric chamber? Yes, you can. And it's a, it's a good point. So even in the mild units, you don't want to be using them every day. You can use them in protocols where you're going in 20 or 40 sessions, five to six days a week. But after that protocol, you want to go less frequently, more intermittently and taking periods of time off because oxygen is a nutrient, but it's a nutrient that you can get too much of over time and it can cause stress to the system. And even mm. in a mild unit, if you're using it all the time, every day it can happen. And certainly in the deeper chambers, it happens if you're using it frequently for long periods of time. So yeah. it's something that I do consider. And I'm very emphatic with people that you don't want to use a chamber every day. You want to use it for protocols and then you use it targeted as needed when you're on more of a maintenance type of schedule, if you have your own chamber. Yeah. If you don't have your own chamber, if you're going to a facility, then typically you go for a protocol and then you don't, unless you have the ability to go in more intermittently over time. I would say that for people that have chronic conditions like autoimmune problems, for example, is a really good example. It, hyperbaric therapy could potentially be very, very helpful. I've had people that have done protocols with 40 sessions, 4-0, Monday through Friday, weekends off, and have done dramatically better with rheumatoid arthritis, for example. But if they stop going, if they don't continue to go into the chamber, their symptoms will come back. And so they have to have some sort of maintenance regimen. If you have a chronic condition that's not going to be completely going away, then it's oftentimes that some sort of maintenance is helpful. And maintenance is helpful from the wellness perspective as well, because you have the ability to maintain a decent amount of oxygenation intermittently, and then you're helping with all the things that we talked about, decreasing inflammation, more blood vessel growth, and, and stem cell release. And you're doing that periodically and intermittently is good, but you certainly want to take breaks. The, the biggest risk that you have in a chamber is that it doesn't really so much happen in a mild unit, but in a deeper unit, you can get oxygen-induced seizures. And these are seizures that are like a febrile seizure in a child. There's no long-term there's no long-term effects. Like you come out of it, you're okay, but certainly nobody wants to have a seizure in the chamber. And so we have ways to mitigate that. We have things we can give people if they're at a higher risk, but that's that's the, the number one reason why we want to use more intermittent exposure over the long-term. And then one other thing that we do is that the deeper pressures, when you're going at two atmospheres, for example, you'll be breathing say you're breathing 100% oxygen at two atmospheres, which is typically what we'll do, either by a mask itself or the whole chamber has oxygen, then every 20 minutes or every 30 minutes, instead of breathing 100% oxygen, we have you breathe 21% oxygen, which is the sea level oxygen in around you. And, and you still stay in the chamber, but you get a mask that changes it or whatever. And however, they have a couple different ways of doing it, but that decreases your risk of oxygen toxicity. And it also potentially is, has therapeutic value because that change in oxygen from 100% to 21%, the body sees as, as the same as going to altitude. So it releases some of the same chemicals in the body, the same chemical factors that would make you think that you were at altitude. And as a result of that, you get more mitochondrial biogenesis, more, you get new mitochondria, you get more blood vessel growth and decrease, more decreased, or more decreased, so more, significantly decreased inflammation, more decreased doesn't make a lot of sense. I've really struggled with chronic anxiety most of my life. I've been really honest about this on the podcast as well as my Instagram. Outside of talk therapy and really addressing the root cause of my anxieties and getting to the root of my traumas, 
One of the things that has really helped me the most with my anxiety is taking CBD consistently. I am obsessed with this brand, Cured Nutrition. Everything is organic. They use really high quality ingredients. And I know the founder personally. I love his mission. His desire and commitment to really high quality products is above and beyond any other CBD company that I have seen. Their commitment to quality is so high that they test all their products. So you can actually go to any of the products that you buy, look at the batch number, go on their website and see the lab results from that specific batch number. They test for heavy metal toxicity. They test for pesticides. Also, they show that the amount of CBD that they claim is in their product is actually in there, which shockingly enough is a huge problem with CBD companies. Many of these companies are claiming that they have higher amounts of CBD than they actually do. Some companies that are really sketchy are claiming that they have CBD when they don't have any at all. So quality control is really, really important. It's super important to cure nutrition, which is why I love this brand so much. Also, if you guys go to curednutrition.com slash realfoodology, you're going to save 20%. Make sure that you use the code realfoodology. And again, that is cured, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com slash realfoodology. All right. I'm on a roll recently talking about different Organifi products that I love because I feel like I've hammered in how much I love the red and the green juice. I drink the red and the greens every single morning just to flood my body with nutrients and antioxidants. But I want to start talking about some of their other products because they do have a lot of really amazing products. And if the ones that I love and talk about aren't resonating with you, I want to share other ones so that you can find something that you love on Organifi's website as well. I have been drinking their Pure for about six months now. This is their one that's for mental clarity and digestion. It has no caffeine, but I really have noticed a difference. It really does turn on my brain. It has a lot of really amazing properties like lion's mane mushroom, which really helps with cognitive function. Um, There's a lot of studies and science behind that. There's also coffee berry in there. There's aloe vera, digestive enzymes, which of course are going to help with digestion. And there's a couple of other things in there, but it's so good. You guys, it tastes like lemonade, but there's no sugar in there. And as of course, always with Organifi products, it is USDA organic and it's glyphosate residue free. If you guys want to try any of the Organifi products, you're going to get 20% off when you go to Organifi.com slash real foodology. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash real foodology. Oh, and make sure that you use code RealFoodology and you're going to get 20% off. I hope you guys love it. Wow, this is all so fascinating. I'm curious, do you have, do we get a similar, um, oh my gosh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, okay, so I go and visit my family in Telluride often and the altitude's really high there. Do I get some benefits from my body being in high altitude like that, similar to the hyperbaric chamber? Obviously, I don't have the pressure, but there's the change in oxygen. So what you're getting there is you're getting a stimulus for your body to produce more red blood cells mm. because you you're getting less oxygen. And so what your body does while you're there is it produces more epigen, that hormone that we were talking about before. And that hormone releases, allows you to make more red blood cells. So as having more red blood cells, you're going to have higher oxygen carrying capacity when you're at Telluride. Now that's not going to happen immediately. It takes about it takes a little while. It takes about 90 days to get a full mm. recalibration of the system. In the short term, what you will do is you will create more mitochondria. So the mitochondria are working and they're turning over, dying, uh, re- regenerating all the time. And so we know that under hypoxic conditions or low oxygen conditions, you will, over a pretty rapid clip, over several days, you will start making more mitochondria. Because the idea is that the body is being starved of oxygen. So it's trying to create more capacity to make energy with the oxygen that's available. So, so that's, that is a benefit from being at altitude for short term. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so we've talked a lot about from the standpoint of having a certain condition that people are looking to treat, but what about someone, I mean, for example, like our friend Salim, who's really into biohacking and he's just someone that's looking to optimize their overall health. What would that look like using the hyperbaric chamber and how often would they do it? Is this something that's recommended to do? Is it something you do just a couple times or do you do it over a long period of time? Yeah, there's a couple of different ways to approach it. I mean, it really kind of depends on what their specific goals are, even within the wellness framework. If, mm-hmm. if they have, if they're looking to build muscle, if they're looking to be caught more cognitively sharp, if they have, 
if they have very specific goals, we can kind of dial that in. If they're looking for muscle recovery or muscle or, or actually athletic boosting. So we, you can time all the sessions in various ways. For example, like it's for one thing you can do is like, once you get out of your hyperbaric chamber, you have extra oxygen floating around for the next 30 or minutes or so. So you can use that for, to do more athletic work, or you can do that and then pair it with a cold tub or something like that, because you know, you have more energy available and then your mitochondria are going to be happy because you have more oxygen there when you're squeezing them together in a cold tub, for example. So, but in general, what I ask people to do that are looking to use hyperbaric therapy for more of a wellness type of framework is number one, understanding what the other technologies that they're going to be using and other practices that they're going to be doing and how you can pair those the most optimally with hyperbaric therapy itself. But the chamber protocol, I usually have people start off by doing at least 20 sessions if they can. And the reason for that is that once you get to about the 20 session level, that's when you start seeing the solidification of some of those epigenetic shifts that we were discussing. So, mm-hmm. and that's the decreased inflammation, the angiogenesis, the new angiogenesis, excuse me, the new blood vessels that are being formed, uh, stem cell release, et cetera. So after about 20 or so is where we see that shift, at least in studies, uh, depending on the type of chamber you have available to you, the mild units, uh, the ones that are soft shelled, those are more neurocognitive optimization. And then you have the deeper units, which you can go to like two atmospheres, for example. That's kind of our our most commonly studied pressure as far as the research goes. And in that that pressure, you can do the 20 sessions. It's a more of a systemic optimization. And then after that, I have people use it intermittently depending on what their needs are. So again, for muscle recovery, for jet lag, for an athletic boost, for immune system boosting. And, and I have a company called One Base Health that's, you know, I've been involved in the hyperbaric field for a long time period of time. And so um, I, I I really wanted to fi- to sort of find a technology or, or find a way to educate people better on how to do these kinds of things, because there's a lot of information out there. And unfortunately, I end up having to talk to people after they've already made mistakes using their chambers or doing doing their protocols, because there's not a lot of direction out there. So the idea with the company is to create technology, uh, a phone application to start off with education, with knowledge, with protocols and things like that, and some smart devices and things like that that'll be added on later. But the idea really is that I wanted to create a way that people could say, oh, I want to do a wellness protocol. What does that look like in a hyperbaric chamber? And then what can I add on? Can I add on supplements? Can I add on uh, Can I add on practices? Can I add on therapy? Can I add on other practitioners? And and how can I do that all together inside of the hyperbaric chamber? So that's that's what I'm working on now. That's awesome. That'll be super helpful for people. Um, so, and that goes into my next question. How can people have access to a hyperbaric chamber? Do they need to buy one? Um, how does that work? So there are facilities that have hyperbaric chambers all over the US, all over the world now. So it's not that difficult to find a place. There's also units that you can get for your house. You can either purchase them or there's potentially some rental options as well. But in general, you can purchase a chamber. The, the chamber is the soft-sided units run anywhere between about 8,000 at the minimum and to about 23, 25,000 at the max, depending on the size, depending on the company, depending on the, the type of, the type of uh, design and how it looks and and also how how long it's going to last is really kind of what those numbers all look like as far as the range goes and then from uh, a perspective of getting those they're they're available everywhere these days it's actually the wild west when it comes to hyperbaric chambers and what's available so you know my company one base does have some chambers that we do demos with right now as we're testing our technology and and uh, and some of the work that we're doing with the integrations of other technologies as well alongside of hyperbaric therapy. So people could contact me if they're interested. But I mean, overall, there's a lot of companies out there that the hard thing is kind of vetting them and knowing which ones are sort of the higher line or higher end ones and ones that aren't going to last you very long. Uh, it's a little bit of, again, a, a challenge right now. But uh, but there are a lot of chambers available. And then there's the facilities that are also available. So like, ideally for me is that what I think is going to happen over the long term is that like you have a Peloton bike or I have a Peloton bike at my house, you're going to have a hyperbaric chamber that's doing something similar where you're using it regularly. You're going to have protocols. You're going to have ways of being able to educate yourself. And so I think it's getting there, but it's not, mm-hmm. the, it's not, the cost isn't quite there yet. So I think it's going to take a couple more years to kind of do that. But that's where I see this technology going because it's very, 
no extra time kind of thing in the sense that you can use technology inside of a mild unit, for example. So like if you have one for your home, you can use low level electronics, your phone, your computer, no problem inside these things. In a, in a medical grade unit, you cannot do that because it's a higher pressure, more oxygen. But in the in the ones for the house, it's typically safe to do that uh, depending on your setup and things like that. But that's But that's something for me to decide with people that I work with. Like, yes, this is a safe thing for you. Or excuse me, no, this is not, and this is why. But in general, that's why I think the technology for the house is going to be so great is that you can use it with other technologies. So you can use it with your meditation devices, you can use it with your light devices. And even if the lights aren't portable, you can use your lights before you get into the chamber. You can use your saunas afterwards. You can exercise and then go into the chamber and recover faster. You can get off a plane and then get into the chamber and get less jet lag. You can bring in your friends and show them that it's also an awesome technology for them to use and in similar ways. But that being said, it's also a medical technology. And so there are certain people that should not go into a chamber. And especially if you have any cardiac disease, you know, pulmonary disease, if you have severe asthma that's not under control, if you have COPD, if you're pregnant, or if you're breastfeeding, it's actually okay. But pregnancy, not a good idea. Uh, if you uh, if if you have any really unstable neurologic disorder either, if you have unstable seizures, like you don't want to go into a hyperbaric environment as well. If you have a fever. like So there's reasons why you don't want to go in. And of course, there's all these medical conditions that you're on medications that could also potentially make your threshold for having a seizure lower, which means you have a higher risk. So these are kind of things that I always like to mention because it's not like it's a benign technology. There's certainly people that should not go into a hyperbaric environment. The mild units are pretty safe overall, uh, even for most people, but certainly the deeper chambers have a higher risk profile. I mean, certainly it's very safe, but you just have to screen people appropriately. Awesome. That was going to be my next question and you just answered it. So Perfect. Um, all I, yeah, all I kept thinking when you were talking about for the home, I don't even know if this is possible, what I would love to see, because it feels like there's all these different uh, modalities that we all want to have in our home now. It'd be so cool to have an infrared sauna that you just press a button and then you, you know, it switches over to like a hyperbaric chamber. That would be I'm going to manifest that to come someday. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I thought you were going to go a slightly different direction because in Japan, they have hyperbaric rooms. So these oh, are rooms cool. that you go in that are pressurized and they usually have other technologies in there or they'll hold meetings in there. That's the other, like, that's the cool place for meetings these days is your hyperbaric chamber, as you know, from Celine, but also Celine, yeah. <laughs> for having actual groups of people inside of the hyperbaric environment. And it's kind of funny because this kind of, goes back to the early days of hyperbaric therapy and how hyperbaric therapy started. It started off as a treatment for the bends or the or diving injury. Mm. And even but even before that as a non-medical technology, before people knew what it what it was doing, they would use they would actually have rooms that were hyperbaric rooms and they'd have hypobaric, HYPO baric rooms. And they would put people in with lung disease into the hypobaric environments, actually. This is your sanitariums or, or your solariums from back mm. in the day. This is how they got these ideas. They'd put people up in the mountains and put them in sunlight and they would you know, get healed from tuberculosis and things like that. So and it's very interesting, the technology and, and how it's kind of come full circle, but you're going to see more rooms of hyperbaric pressure coming down the pike soon. That's so cool. That's fascinating. Um, well, I want to go a little bit of a different direction now, unless if there's anything else you want to talk about hyperbaric chambers that we haven't gone over that you think it's, that is important. No, no. I think we did a good job covering most of the bases there. I mean, like I said, the key for people to know is that the chambers are great accelerators, synergizers of, of your goals. It really helps with healing. If there's a wound, it's going to heal it inside the chamber. But again, it's not just about going into the chamber. It's really looking at more of this integrative perspective, this foundational perspective, the health optimization medicine framework that I use and that other doctors around the world are now getting trained in as well through our nonprofit organization. But the nonprofit does have a for-profit arm and that for-profit company is making precision dose pharmaceutical grade products like the one I think you want to talk about, which is methylene blue. Yes. But the key for that and the key how it all this comes together for people, for me, is that we have this nonprofit that's training doctors and practitioners to optimize health rather than treat disease. Setting disease yeah. aside and just optimizing cellular health, gut health, hormonal health, immune health, et cetera. And, but along the way of optimizing your health, you need these certain things that can help you get to where you want to go. Because brain health along the way, 
doing the integrative work, doing the hard work can take a long time for you to feel the difference. So what can you do in the short term to optimize your mitochondrial function? What can you do in the short term to get your brain to work or to help you sleep better or to relax better? So we made a company called Troscriptions, which is a company, there's four docs, including me. And we wanted to make a company with formulas that we would be able to use in clinical practice. And so we have three products that are out on the market right now. And the one that's our mitochondrial optimizer that we use mostly as, as our health, as, as the most clinically right now is, is based on this compound called methylene blue. Which I'm, I'm very intrigued by. I only recently have started using it. Uh, well, recent, a couple months ago, I had COVID and I mean, I'm telling, I was, it was, I was weirdly sick, like just weirdly in the sense that I was taking everything. And the first time I had COVID, it really didn't hit me that hard. And this time it was just, it was just very prolonged and nothing really was kind of getting it to go. And someone suggested I take methylene blue. And I can't tell you literally the next day, it was like, I felt like I went over the hump and I finally was starting to get better, which I was like, whoa. Cause I had always heard about methylene blue in a different capacity of you take it to, um, help with cognitive function, improve your overall brain health. And so I was very intrigued by methylene blue after that. Yeah, sure. And we've heard, I've certainly heard a lot of stories. And then in my taking off the transcription side in my clinical practice, I've certainly worked with a lot of people that have been using methylene blue in various different ways in post-viral types of syndromes, mm -hmm. in chronic fatigue and brain fog from a lot of different reasons. And I think why it works is that it's working on the mitochondrial level. And so it's enhancing energy production, but it's also helping you with antioxidant reserve. So it does both. And there's very few compounds out there that do it. And so when you have this sort of post-infectious inflammation, the body system is revved up in this sort of inflammatory way, it's very difficult to make energy effectively because there's too much stress on the system already. And so if you can help make more energy, and what's interesting about methylene blue, it actually bypasses or it can bypass the first two complexes on your electron transport chain. Mm -hmm. So if they're not working so well, which happens during infection, for example, or post-infectious kinds of things, you, methylene blue can bypass them, allow your mitochondria to still make energy, even if they're not not working so well. So what I think is happening in people with brain fog and with, with fatigue and a lot of cognitive symptoms post-viral or just related to some of their other medical conditions is that it's a mitochondrial dysfunction issue. So if you can work on the mitochondrial dysfunction by allowing your cells to make more energy and at the same time helping them detox better because you're giving something, methylene blue is actually as powerful as some of the antioxidants that you know as well as I do, like glutathione and vitamin C. So mm -hmm. it's as powerful as those, but it has the additional ability of increasing energy production. and in a mild degree, it also helps with neurotransmitter release. So it helps with increasing serotonin, increasing dopamine and norepinephrine. So that's also going to make you feel a little bit better too. So some people like yourself that have like an instant kind of reaction to methylene blue, it's oftentimes because it's happening on both of those levels, more energy, more detox potential, and those neurotransmitters being released as well all at the same time. So it's a really amazing molecule. It's been around over a hundred years. It was the first drug registered with the FDA back in the 1890s. Right now, it's being used in a lot of different ways. The way we use it in our company is as a nootropic because you know where do you have your most mitochondria, you have the most in your brain, your heart, your liver, and in your muscle tissue. So we're actually using it a lot in endurance athletes and people that are using it to help perform endurance-like tasks because you're getting more energy production in your mitochondria capacity, even if there's not as much oxygen around because mm -hmm. you have this ability to continue to maintain and making energy because you're continuing to use what your system has and just rev up the whole process of making more energy in various ways, making more NAD, for example. You're doing that in the chamber too. Oh, sorry, in the, going back to hyperbaric therapy <laughs> for a minute there. Uh, when you're doing that, when you're, uh, when you're taking more methylene blue as well. And so I use them in combination, the methylene blue with hyperbaric therapy as well, depending on the person. But um, the key with methylene blue is the dosing. You want to stay at low dose methylene blue for the most part, unless you're treating an acute infection or an acute inflammatory issue because 
over the long term, higher doses can be detrimental. They might affect your gut health. They could potentially cause gastric ulceration. And, and they also build up in the system. It can cause toxicity. So it's really key to keep low dose. And you know, for us at our company, our trochies, which are these they're called trochies. They're, they're these buccal lozenges. They dissolve between your cheek and your gums on the upper or upper right or left side of your mouth. Uh, those dissolve over that time frame. But the key with with those is that um, that overall that they're dissolving into your bloodstream over about fifteen to thirty minutes. They're creating an increased amount of methylene blue in the system. And but then over time they're they're going away in the sense that that if you're taking a 16 milligram trochee, it's not a huge amount of methylene blue. It's enough to increase antioxidant reserve, energy production, but then it's going to, you know, it's going to leave the body. But if you take hundred milligrams a day, which some people do, it will build up in the system and cause stress to the system over time. It's one of those interesting molecules or compounds that if it's at uh, it's got a kind of like a Goldilocks kind of deal. If you take too much of it, it's going to cause stress on the system. But if you take just the right amount, it's going to give you uh, exactly what you need to help your mitochondria function better. I love that. I, you know, the the color to me is a little off-putting. Like I want to understand what it is exactly because, you know, as someone uh, with my background, I tend to only go for more natural solutions. And with this being this bright blue, my initial reaction was that can't be good for us. And I, you know, the the first time I took it, it turned my urine this like greenish, bluish color. What it what is that exactly? And how and is it safe? Yeah, yeah. So it's a really good question. And so it started off as a textile dye. That's how it was invented. So it it would dye blue jeans before they realized that this dye and this class of dyes also treated malaria. Now, mm. how they got from blue jeans to malaria, I have no idea. Maybe they were <laughs> oh, taking better drugs than me. But <laughs> however, they figured this out. But the the dye itself is a significant blue pigment. And the methylene blue itself actually concentrates in your urine. So that's why if you take it orally, IV, it doesn't matter. You will concentrate it in your urine and you will pee blue. So that is a benign side effect. Back in the day, it was something that was used to treat urinary tract infections at high doses mm. because it concentrated in the urine. And in some places around the world, it's still used as a prophylactic for people a derivative of methylene blue is used as a prophylactic for people that have chronic urinary tract infections, for example. So we know that the blue is just part of the compound itself. What's interesting about it is that there may be something that's activated by the blue pigment itself in your mitochondria. We don't know for sure, but there might be something going on with one of your complexes and how that blue pigment interacts with light specifically and how that blue pigment is activated somehow with red light exposure or sunlight exposure or red light specifically within sunlight. So, um, but we don't know exactly, but that's, that's some of the postulations that are out there. So you can have methylene blue that's colorless as well. And that's when it's in it's a different form. So mm. when methylene blue, methylene blue picks up reactive oxygen species and picks up electrons, it becomes colorless actually. So we're not sure, but we think that so what will happen if you take methylene blue regularly as I do and as other people do now in the transcriptions world and, and people that have tried our products or other products is that you'll say you'll find that some days your urine is extremely blue and other days your urine isn't as blue. And yeah. the question is why? And our postulation here is that if your urine's not blue, which means it's turned colorless, it means that there was a lot more stress in your system because it picked up a lot of free radicals, a lot of oxidative stress. If it turns extremely blue, then... That may, that may mean that you didn't have as much oxidative stress going on. So it didn't have to get shifted over and pick up as many electrons as it would have potentially. So you know, we don't know. I mean, this is something that I'd love to check at some point and test, but that's that's one question that we get a lot is like, why sometimes is my urine extremely blue and why sometimes is it not very blue at all? So, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll titrate my dose to, to when I'm blue so that I know I've taken enough to balance out my oxidative load. So at least that's what I do personally. But anyway, I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting molecule or compound to play with. And what it comes down to is if you're looking to optimize mitochondrial function, it is a synthetic, so it's not natural. That is true. But as long as that's okay with you, that this is something that I think can be very much added into regimens 
of what, what, no, no matter what it is, whether it's you have the, if you have significant injury or significant conditions, or if you're looking just to optimize performance, I think it's something to work with for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, I've noticed a significant difference on the days that I take it. It really does help um, with my overall cognitive function. And I just feel like I think clear, I speak clear, and it really, I've, I've noticed a big difference. I also want to know, because I'm sure the listeners are going to be very interested about this. Um, so I know you have two different ones, one that's just methylene blue, and then one that is with combined with nicotine and caffeine. One, why? And also, can we talk about how nicotine actually has a really bad rep and it's actually not that bad for us? Yeah, so nicotine certainly has a bad rap. And so the first product we came out with is something called blue canatine. And it's actually a mashup of the words here of what the ingredients are in it. But we have methylene blue, we have CBD, we have nicotine, and we have caffeine. So everybody knows about caffeine already. That's not a big deal. This is just a quarter cup of coffee and one full trochee. So not a, not a huge amount. Nicotine, we have one milligram in the trochee. And the nicotine that we use is pharmaceutical grade. It's non-tobacco derived. And in a cigarette or in a vaping product, you're getting at least eight milligrams per cigarette. If not 28 in a cigarette, in a cigar, there's a hundred milligrams of nicotine. Okay. Wow. But there's also other additives in there too, that are mm -hmm. making it more addictive in addition to vaping and smoking it, which in, hits your system immediately, as opposed to a trochee that's in your mouth that dissolves over 15 to 30 minutes at a much lower dose. There's really no issues that you have to worry about with addiction, as long as you're staying below about five milligrams to six milligrams of nicotine per day. But those studies were done on people that were vaping and smoking, not on oral nicotine intake. So it's probably even more on an oral nicotine side. So, but nicotine has got a great reputation when it comes to cognitive enhancement, potentially working with people that have Alzheimer's disease or mild cognitive impairment and Parkinson's disease and others. So nicotine is known to help with memory, help with focus, help with verbal fluidity. Uh, it's really great, um, and, but it's, it's actually quite short acting. It only lasts a couple hours for most people. And then you have uh, the bad rap, of course, and that's reasonable because you shouldn't be smoking your nicotine products. It's just not a good idea or vaping them in general. And CBD we have in there to help round out the, the whole thing so that uh, you don't get the edginess that people will feel sometimes if they have coffee or if they have nicotine, especially, they get this sort of edge jittery kind of feel. And most people's dose of our trochees is not a full trochee. In fact, we make it that way. It's a scored trochee. So it's a, a scored square lozenge. That's hard to say four times <laughs> fast, but scored because you can actually break it up into quarters. And so most people take a half of a trochee as their dose. For me, I take a quarter and I'm good, but I don't drink caffeine very often. So if you drink coffee regularly, they usually have people start off at a half of a trochee and kind of go from there. If you have a huge amount of lean body mass, like you're a huge dude then or woman, then you think about taking a full trochee the first time. But typically it's a half of a trochee at a time. And that's only 25 milligrams of caffeine. That's a 0.5 milligrams of nicotine. So not a huge amount of these stimulants, but it's the synergy of them together. So really works well for three to five hours of focus, getting shit done, copy, writing, talking, presenting, focusing, like it's, it's got that fantastic way of giving you that feeling of that focus, but without any crash at the end. And there's no, that's because there's CBD and methylene blue in there because they both help optimize the system and protect the system as well as helping with energy enhancement and detoxification. And CBD has got some great qualities as well, as you know, on its own. So that's mm -hmm. why we have this combination. That's our blue canatine. That's our getting shit done, targeted, nootropic are, you know, our limitless pill, as we like to say, our limitless trochee. But we wanted to make the mitochondrial optimizer without nicotine and caffeine as well, called Just Blue, because this is going to support the system. It's not going to clock the system. So if people don't do well with stimulants or they're trying to not take too many of them, methylene, by, methylene blue by itself will give you a subtle rise in energy. Some people will feel it. Others won't as much. It depends on the person. Other people only feel that they're doing very specific types of tasks or if they're exercising or if they're running or if they're doing something that would typically take them a long period of time to do and they're doing it faster. But then they realize it's kind of on the back end. I would call it like a subtle lift, like a gentle rise as opposed to nicotine and caffeine, which kind of give you like, I'm in, let's go, let's do it, right? For people listening that are very new to this, it does give you a blue tongue, which I kind of love. It's kind of a vibe. At first I was like, ooh, I don't know about this, but it's so funny now. Um, when you see other people that have that blue tongue and you know, it's almost like being a part of a club. Like we're, yeah, we call it blue as a new smart, <laughs> Yeah, but, and, and that's, 
That's how we like to frame it, especially with blue catatine, the one that has nicotine and caffeine in it. That one really does need to dissolve in your mouth because Mm -hmm. when it does that, it goes directly into the circulation of your brain. And then so you get very, very rapid improvements of cognition. You'll feel it within about 15 minutes, usually less if you haven't been eating anything. It bypasses what's called first first pass metabolism in your liver. So it doesn't have to be digested. That takes time. But the cool thing about Just Blue, our pure methylene blue trochee is that this particular trochee, you can swallow it as well and still get the same mm. mitochondrial benefits. So you don't have to have it dissolve in your mouth. For people that have more of a brain fog kind of picture, I will have them try to dissolve it in their mouth and they will get a blue tongue, but that will go away, of course. But yeah. if they don't want a blue tongue and they can't do that or whatever, you can swallow the just blue and still get the same mitochondrial benefits as well. So um, so that that's how I typically frame it for people. Blue is the new smart, but you can swallow just blue. And we do have one other product on the market. We It's called Trocom. This is a specific one for relaxation, stress reduction. And this one makes your tongue just slightly orange. I don't know if you've tried this one. I have. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, so this one's for people that need to kind of take the edge off, relax. And it has a combination of kava, CBD, CBG, which is another novel non-psychoactive cannabinoid and a very permeable type of GABA, B3 GABA in there. So it's those four together that kind of take the edge off and help you relax. It's the equivalent of relaxation with other kinds of things at night that don't have any this, this one doesn't have any bad side effects like alcohol does, for example. And for people that have a hard time going to bed and falling asleep, this can help turn off your brain so you don't have any more of those ruminating or perseverating thoughts that keep you up. So uh, if you know you're going to have a hard time winding down, this is a nice way to do it. And again, it's titratable like everything else, starting off with a quarter or a half or a full, depending on what you need. But we, we have I've done a lot of great work clinically with this particular one. And it's a really nice one to help just take the edge off. And even if people like, and during the daytime, if they're stressed out because they're about to be on the Real Foodology podcast with Courtney Swan, and they're like, oh no, I'm so stressed. My brain shuts <laughs> off. I can't think. So sometimes when your brain is really stressed, your mind goes blank in quotes, right? Because mm-hmm. you feel like you can't get your words. Everything's gone. And But if you just take your sympathetic nervous system down just a little bit, like I'll, sometimes I'll take an eighth or a quarter of a trochee, of a trochom, just to kind of take that edge off. And that'll just help you actually perform better because your brain's back online and not as sympathetic dominant as well. So a lot of different mm-hmm. utilities, but if you if you have anxiousness, this is the trochee for you, really. It really does help calm things down. In the setting, of course, also doing the hard work of changing your diet, your lifestyle, looking at the framework that we've developed, as, as I always tell my patients, it's like, well, doc, I want to sleep. I'm like, well, here's something that can help you. But at the same time, let's work on the stuff that's going to help optimize your sleep everything from hygiene to your, your laboratory testing to your, your exercise. Like, why are you doing your exercise at 10 o'clock at night? That's probably not going to make you sleep that well. People don't, yep. you, you know how it goes, right? It's the easy stuff you want to start off with, but you can give them things along the way to help them so that they have immediate benefit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a huge believer in all of that. You know, I, I want to, um, I think we need to address everything lifestyle and then also give people solutions. Like for example, the true calm, um, has helped me a lot with stress and anxiety and when I've been, had super stressful days. So it's great. Before we go, is there anything else uh, that you think is really important that you wanted to address before we go? Well, I think we did a great whirlwind tour on my clinical practice, which is based in the field of hyperbaric medicine, but integrated with the ideas of a foundational framework that looks to optimize at a foundational level, which is vitamins, minerals, nutrients, the field of metabolomics. So if people are interested in learning more about that, if you're a doctor or practitioner, you can get trained like I have, and I help run that whole program and on our nonprofit. That's at homehope.org, the word home, the word hope.org, O-R-G. So you can learn more about that. And so I also work with people all over the world at using this framework. And I talk to clinics and work with clinics and how they're integrating hyperbaric therapy. And this framework sometimes as well, although that's just starting a nascent kind of deal, but we're working on it. But having people understand how they can integrate hyperbaric therapy within the work that they're doing in their own practices, in their own clinics. And that's a lot of fun for me. I really enjoy that. And 
to remember that hyperbaric therapy is a fantastic synergizer, accelerator of healing. We're getting more oxygen into the system. That's creating this huge shift that helps get you more oxygen immediately and over the long term shifts your biology and epigenetics so that you are in a optimal state of healing and the ability to heal even from very difficult and very challenging conditions. But also, if you just want to reverse your age and decrease your senescent cell populations and telomere length, we can help you there too. As long as you don't continue to eat McDonald's and drink yeah. alcohol and not sleep and exercise at 12 o'clock at night and not whatever. You get what I'm saying. But yeah. anyway, so all of that leads into the understanding that we all need immediate gratification and also the immediate need to help us along the path to optimizing our health. Not everybody can get into a hyperbaric chamber. Not everybody can get health, health optimized, but there are ways that you can do this on a basic level that's accessed to everybody. And some of these products that we've developed at transcriptions are, I hope, ways to people that people can find a, a solution quickly to what they need, then over the long-term, find additional ways to support them with their long-term journeys and optimizing their health. So that's really the best way I can sum up everything. And uh, from the hyperbaric piece, you can find me, at, on my website, it's I think the best place is drscottsher.com. Just my name spelled out, D-R-S-C-O-T-T-S-H-E-R-R. -T -T -E and then the company Troscriptions is the word trochee and prescriptions masked up. The word trochee, so T-R-O, and then scriptions is the last part of that. So we're a very pharmaceutical grade as precision dosed and, and phys phys physician formulated company as you can get, as I would say. So, so yeah, those are the places, the things, the people. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of transcriptions. I'm excited to see what else you guys come up with because you guys have nailed it so far. Oh, <laughs> awesome. we have many, many things. They're exciting. I, I'm assuming. I bet. Yeah. 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 This is fun. Yeah. Thanks, Courtney, for having me. Yeah. Thank you. I want to ask you one question that I ask all of my guests before we go. Yeah. And it's a personal question. What are your health non-negotiables? These are things that you do either on a daily basis or a weekly basis to prioritize your own health. Hmm. So meditation is a non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't always do 20, 30 minutes, hours of meditation, but even if it's just moments, micro moments throughout my day, that's non-negotiable as a way to reorient myself uh, or the self or whatever you want to call it. Reorient my perspective. Let's call it that. Because the self is an illusion as we know. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. so meditation is probably the number one thing. And then the other thing that I do on a daily basis for the most part is my infrared sauna. That's my, that's my baby, my, my fifth child. I have four kids. <laughs> when I found out that I was going to have my fourth kid, I needed my own room. And my own room is my, it's not a big room. It's a small, tiny little room, but it, you get my point. And it's my, it's my infrared sauna. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm going in there on most days and then I'm in my chamber a lot. I have my, my hyperbaric chamber. I'm, I'm doing various protocols and always testing new technologies that are going in and out of it and around it and, and things like that. So different, different kinds of things. So, but my two non-negotiables would be those probably meditation and infrared. And then throughout the day, I mean, I have four kids, so I'm always practicing the work that I do on myself with them as ways as always remembering that whatever they do is is only it's always being interpreted by my experience and the reflection of my particular mood at that moment so <laughs> if they're yelling at each other and i yell that's because i'm in a mood to yell or whatever right but so i, I always find it like i found that i've found that kids have been a great teacher for me over the years so mm. and so though i think because i have no choice because they're they're here all the time that's my non-negotiable tip <laughs> And I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm okay. Yeah, you're kind of stuck with them, but <laughs> yeah, for now. Until I have I, my youngest is five, I still have Aww. like what 13 years until they're all out of the house, and then they'll come yeah. back in the house or whatever. So whatever, <laughs> all good, all good. I love it. Well, those are great. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed this. Thank you for having me, Courtney. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. If you liked the episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let me know. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Mike Fry. The theme song is called Heaven by the amazing singer Georgie. Georgie is spelled with a J. For more amazing podcasts produced by my team, go to resonantmediagroup.com. I love you guys so much. See you next week. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and doesn't constitute a provider-patient relationship. I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. As always, talk to your doctor or your health team first.